Buenas and half a day to our listeners on Guam and in the CNMI. It's now time for Total Health right here on Joy FM Radio, where your questions get answered by health professionals. If you have any health-related questions, we would love to hear from you. Call your questions and comments in at 472-1111 or text or WhatsApp 686-9999. If you're in the CNMI, please call 323-1113. Welcome, everybody, to Total Health. Hi, and welcome to Total Health. My name is Rose Trina Aladak, and in the studio today we have Elena Tanava, nurse practitioner, and Dr. Deborah Suina, OBGYN. Hi, Rosie. Hello. We are so excited to be here. And today we have a very, very, very special guest. I'm saying very, 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 because it's not every day that we can have a living OBGYN uh, in our show t- at Joy FM. Debbie, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you guys and looking forward to the questions from our callers <laughs> and looking forward to having a great discussion. Yes, I'm expecting that many people can call us because right now, this is the time we are having an OBGYN that can answer our hardest questions, questions that you have been trying to find an answer for several years probably, Please feel free to call us. We'll be happy, happy to just help you out with whatever you're struggling with. And I want to encourage you, if you have a friend that maybe needs to listen to our program today with an OBGYN or a friend that's thinking about pregnancy or that's pregnant, encourage them to call, uh, call in or tune in and listen to our show today. So, David, today our talk will be mainly about women and children, but we're not excluding men as well, right? That's right. They can learn a lot today, too. And we want their support. Absolutely. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay. OBGYN. So when we hear that word, we're thinking about pregnancy, we're thinking about delivery. And, you know, I'll start with the most common questions. Um we know that during pregnancy, we should avoid certain substances. Uh, and we know we have to eat healthy. But do we have to start eating healthy once we know we are pregnant? Or should we consider that in advance? Great question. It's actually really important to think about it before you get pregnant. Like if you're sexually active and not using birth control, that's definitely the time to be taking a prenatal supplement with folic acid in it for your baby's brain development, eating a healthy diet, trying to minimize your stress, and making those choices with substances, like you mentioned, really uh, completely eliminating alcohol, um, tobacco, chewing betel nut, all of that. Marijuana is very beneficial to the baby. But, okay, uh, we've heard all about it, but, like, is it that bad that we have to stay away from smoking, marijuana, chewing mm-hmm. betel nut, even coffee. Is it that bad? It's a good question. A lot of my patients actually come to me and say, you know, Doc, once I got pregnant, that when I found out I stopped alcohol and tobacco and, and betel nut, which is great. I'm really glad that each one of them stopped when they found out they were pregnant. But the, the challenge is, is, The earliest that most people even know they're pregnant is about six weeks. And by then, much of the baby's organs have actually already formed even before you know you're pregnant. So that's the main reason because alcohol actually affects the baby's 
brain and central nervous system development quite significantly. And that's why it's so important to stop those substances before you even get pregnant. Right. I just learned this week uh, the consequences that a child can have if uh, one of the parents is alcoholic, a male, uh, the father or the mother. And, you know, when I look down uh, at all those characteristics, wow, it is quite a lot of a struggle for a child to overcome emotional health when the parents have been alcoholic. And so this is even at their, you know, at the time that the baby has been conceived, it's already like that child has been formed. And we certainly want our children who have a good start in life, right? Absolutely. Life is very hard and we want really the best for our children. We want our children to be healthy, but should we wish that for ourselves before that? For sure. And it's interesting you mentioned fathers and alcoholics because there's interesting research talking about not just mothers abstaining from alcohol, but fathers that are considering pregnancy or conceiving also abstain from alcohol. The risk of congenital heart defects in the baby is much higher if the fathers use alcohol before they conceive. And we don't usually think about the fathers in that role. Right. But it's very important if you are a father listening today or know a father to really take that into consideration to give your child the best you can. You said that very right. You know, when I have a couple that are willing to conceive, I always tell them, you have to be in your best health. When you want to bring another person into this world, you want to be in your best health. Sometimes we get misunderstood as providers because it seems that we are kind of trying to uh, diminish their happiness, you know, in, in planning. But we know the consequences as um you know, health providers, and we do not want the children to struggle. For sure. Right. So it, uh, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to take care of your health, and not only when you know you're pregnant, but before that. And so what can we do? Like, we know we have to eat healthy, but how healthy and what should we eat? Good question. So there is a lot of interesting research coming out on the benefits of whole foods, plant-based diet in pregnancy. Um, in the last couple of years, I've really done a lot of research on the benefits of having a wide variety of whole grains, legumes, which is your beans, nuts, seeds, vegetables, fruits, and wide variety also means multiple colors, different types of fruits and vegetables and grains and beans and things like that, really benefiting the baby the most. And I recommend that in addition to a good prenatal vitamin as folic acid and everything else you need, um, including the omega-3 fatty acids that we'll talk about later. But I really recommend that diet because it really does reduce the risk of heart disease Basically, all the metabolic syndrome, which is going to be your diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, high cholesterol in the offspring. And so I, I encourage my moms, I say, you know, eating healthy now helps you to not just be healthier now, helps you not just to have a healthier pregnancy and a healthy baby, but helps your kid to be healthier when it's 60 years old. Wow. And I think that's really motivating, the love of having a child and knowing that the changes that you're making might be a change in your taste buds, might be a, a new recipe you're learning to make, but it's worth it because it's going to pay off health benefits for generations. 
Right, I agree. And the fact we are recommending this diet, uh, Debbie, correct me if I'm wrong, it is because we want children to have a good immune system. But for the children to have a good immune system, the mothers and the fathers need to have a good immune system. And so you can get that when you take care of the microbiome in your intestines. This is where our immune system is. And that can happen when you eat fresh, plenty of fruits and vegetables because they produce the substances that the microbiome need. And if your child um, have a good immune system, a very good microbiome, they will be very healthy and they will be able to survive, you know, the first infections that come their way, viral or bacterial. Yes, there's so many different ways that the whole food plant-based diet benefits the children and the mothers when they're pregnant. Um, It's very interesting. Like if you look at a mother that eats a high cholesterol diet, you look at the offspring, they actually have high cholesterol. The embryos of obese moms actually have high lipid levels in the little tiny embryo right when it's formed. That's even before you know you're pregnant. And so all that food, all the... uh, um, Altered metabolism in the mother is being passed on to the baby. And so, for example, even if the, and actually changing the genetics of the baby, um, the epigenetics is what that's called, where your lifestyle choices actually change the genetic expression. And so, for example, when a mother eats high cholesterol, it actually changes how the genes in the aorta, where you develop heart disease, are expressed in the offspring to predispose the babies for when they get older to developing heart disease. And not just that, but they know now, they used to think that the plaques that cause heart disease develop when you're in your 20s or your teens. And then they start to say childhood. Well, now we know that those plaques actually start to develop in utero. And so when the mother has a high cholesterol diet, which cholesterol foods are your animal protein, your meat, your dairy, your... um, cheese, all of that, anything that has a face or a mother is going to have cholesterol in it. And that high cholesterol diet actually causes the plaques to be developed um, in the embryo's aorta. And that even if that child has a normal cholesterol level after it's born, in other words, a healthier diet, it still has a higher risk of heart disease later in life. That's so interesting because we were told that we you have to eat a very, you know, diet on a very high protein and you have to consume meat so you can have the strength and, you know, you can give the strength to your baby. And now we're kind of going away from this statement because we realize that when you feed someone with uh, a lot of excess protein, especially animal protein, you mature faster, you die earlier. And so what is your recommendation? Do you recommend that parents eat a lot of protein or you're okay to eat more carbs and maybe healthy fats? So healthy carbs, your complex carbs, which are going to be your high fiber foods. If you get fiber and the fruit in the apple, that's better for you than the apple juice where it's more simple. It doesn't have the fiber in with it. Um, Simple carbohydrates are going to be like your white bread, white rice, white pasta, anything that's more refined or just sugar, sugary, is going to be not as good for you when you're pregnant. The closer to the way it grew from the ground, the better it's going to be for you, honestly. And if you think about where does the cow or where does the elephant or the gorilla get its protein from, it's it's awful strong, but it gets it from plants. And so 
um, definitely something to consider. We should definitely chat a little bit more about the role of animal protein versus plant protein in stress response. It'll be interesting to talk a little bit more about that. And that's the music, so we're going to go ahead and go to break. Um, if you have a question, go ahead and give us a call. If you're calling from Guam, call us at 671-472-1111. That's 671-472-1111. In the CNMI, call us at 670-323-1113. That's 670-323-1113. You can send us a message via text, via WhatsApp, or via signal at 671-686-9999. That's 671-686-9999. It's free from the CNMI. And if you're tuned in, um, or if you have Facebook, you can actually tune in on Facebook. We're streaming live right now. Just go to facebook.com slash joyfmradio. Or in the search bar, just type in at joyfmradio. And it'll redirect you to our page, and you can watch from there. Don't go anywhere. Joy FM Radio, uh, Total Health Live. We'll be right back after the break. Every generation has new ways of saying old things. A generation gap? Maybe not as much as you think. People want to know they belong, that they're loved that there's a place for their purpose. All of this is great news. We want to reach every generation with a common truth. Jesus loves you. His plan is good. It's a message for everyone. And everyone can hear the message right here. Joy FM. Thanks for the help. See, Joe Osmosi, and thanks for listening to Total Health on Joy FM. We want to hear from you. Call in with your health-related questions at 472-1111 in Guam or in the CNMI. The number to call is 323-1113. Text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. And now, back to the show. Hi, and welcome back to Total Health Live. If you're just tuning in, um, we have Elena Tanova, nurse practitioner, and Dr. Deborah Sweena, OBGYN, in the house today. Um... And we're talking about, I believe right before we went to break, we were talking about lifestyle choices and how they affect the children. Yes, thank you so much for having us back. I was um, mentioning how maternal diet, especially a whole food plant-based diet in pregnancy, can be really important in the stress response. And I wanted to go into that a little bit more. What we know is when you eat a high animal diet per um, which is animal protein, you know, your meat, your fish, your dairy. Um, it actually increases your cortisol levels within 30 minutes of eating. Cortisol is your stress hormone level. And so when mom's cortisol level goes up, baby's cortisol level goes up. When baby's cortisol level goes up and the baby is developing, it actually essentially readjusts the thermostat for stress for the baby's life. What? Really? Yes. And so this is another reason, in addition to reducing your risk of um, eating animal proteins, of yeah. metabolic syndrome, right. to for the stress benefit. So if you think about it, if your stress level is 
higher than everyone else's, then if you eat a plant-based diet, the cortisol levels drop. And so it actually helps your children to be able to cope better in the future as adults with stressful situations in life to eat a plant-based diet when you're pregnant. And they, they've studied this in offspring that were exposed to plant-based diet and then exposed them to stressful situations and seen how they do with like emotional eating and things like that. They're more prone towards emotional eating if they had animal protein exposure in utero. Very interesting and just yet another reason why I really encourage that whole food plant-based diet in pregnancy. So like a high meat consumption can predispose children later on to struggle with anxiety and actually even depression? Yes, it can do that too. And especially even with their stress response when a stressful situation hits them, just being able to cope with that. Okay, so even sets up the coping mechanism in a baby. Wow, that's so interesting. And I believe uh, you've spoken about epigenetics because none of us have maybe perfect parents. (laughs) We are not perfect ourselves. Um, But would that be, would we be able to somehow counteract if, uh, you know, there is such a predisposition? I'm so glad you asked. That's such an important question because none of us come from perfect families or perfect homes or parents that did things perfectly when we were pregnant, when they were pregnant. And so I see this as an opportunity with the next generation to give them the best, but also of hope that we serve a God of mercy. We serve a God of second chances. And any of these lifestyle changes, even as adults at any point, at any age, at any health level will bring you health benefits mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I I would encourage each one of you, um, even if you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent listening to this show today, to incorporate these things yourself and the influence that you may have on the future generations is also really significant. Yes, we say that, uh, you know, lifestyle is actually the 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 trigger so if you have genetic it loads the gun but lifestyle is the one that pulls the trigger so even if you have like the worst genes let's let's assume so um it, it, the way you live you can change that i have many patients they say oh my grandmother was a diabetic my mother was diabetic i'm diabetic i can't do anything about it even though you have this predisposition, still something can be done. And even if you have a condition like that, uh, still we are talking nowadays, 21st century, about reversibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so wonderful. As you said, God is giving us second chance, third chance, fourth chance, and that's so amazing. And oh. diabetes in particular, I just want to touch on that briefly. Very common in Guam. It's extremely important that you get checked to make sure you don't have diabetes before you get pregnant, especially if um, you have parents that have diabetes or you have a strong family history, I, there definitely is a genetic component, but it also is that families often eat in the same way. And so diabetes, it, for the most part, a type 2 diabetes is a reversible disease. And getting that controlled and ideally reversed before pregnancy really does give the baby the best benefit. If, for example, your hemoglobin A1c is the average of the last three months how your blood sugar was controlled, and if it's 10 when you get pregnant and the baby's organs are developing that first trimester before you even know that you're pregnant often, the chance of having major heart defects or uh, central nervous defects, which is like your spine or being born with no brain, for example, is one in four. Wow. And so I would just urge you, you know, legumes really help uh, in controlling blood sugar, which is your beans, eating them once or twice a day, going for a walk before, after your meals, 
all of that really makes a difference in blood sugar control and getting checked out and, and knowing if you have it or not. Right. Wow. Therefore, it's very important to have a prenatal uh, screening and talking to a dietitian to find the best foods for you. And even if you have diabetes, I have many patients that do have diabetes and they do would like to be become mothers, but their sugars are very uncontrolled and they don't understand when I emphasize how important it's really to take care of their health. I highly recommend that you can visit a dietitian and you can adjust your diet, you can adjust your exercise routine and just be in your best shape. Absolutely. And many people can reverse diabetes with diet and exercise. But if you're finding that you're struggling or you're trying to get pregnant or your early pregnancy, it's very important to get on medication, especially insulin, to try to optimize your blood sugar control. Yeah. Thank you so much. And when we're talking about that, um, so how... Um, how can we judge if a weight uh, gain is normal or abnormal during pregnancy? That's a good question. So it depends a lot on how, what your weight is before you get pregnant. A normal BMI, BMI is the um, math of the height to the weight. Normal BMI is between um, 18 and a half and 24.9. And people weighing that range before they get pregnant should gain uh, 25 to 35 pounds in the pregnancy, which is about a pound a week in the second and third trimester. Second trimester is starting at 14 weeks pregnant. Um, if you if your BMI is 30 or more, which is the uh, obese range, then we want about 11 to 20 pounds of gain, weight gain in the whole pregnancy. Although I have seen patients, if you're eating healthy, plant-based food, exercising, I do not want you calorie restricting in pregnancy, but I focus a lot more on healthy choices than the exact number, okay? And so, of course, in excess of the uh, recommended weight gain recommendations isn't the best, but again, focusing on eating your vegetables, fruits, the whole food, plant-based, I really recommend that. I heard you once saying about the cravings. Some women crave the worst things during their pregnancy. Is there anything we can do about those cravings? Because sometimes they're just so difficult to manage. Good question. It is challenging. The hormones are changing. That doesn't make anything easier. I will say this. Your taste buds can adjust over a course of a couple weeks, sometimes even sooner. And if you adjust to a normal healthy, whole food, plant-based diet before you become pregnant, the cravings will likely be a little bit more toward what you're used to eating. And so if in the case you're craving something that's healthier for you, that's ideal. And then it doesn't hurt to go and eat berries if you're craving berries or whatever the case might be. Um, as much as you're able to, choosing to eat healthy choices is really knowing that it gives your baby the advantage for their health is really the best thing and what I recommend. Can the diet also help with, uh, you know, those uh, challenges that a pregnant woman faces like nausea, vomiting, like morning sickness? There's certain foods that it's good to avoid, spicy food, fatty food, um, when you're struggling with morning sickness. It's also can be um, vitamin B6 can sometimes be very helpful, a supplementation of that, usually 25 milligrams three times a day. You can get that over the counter. Um, ginger supplements can sometimes be very helpful. But beyond that, if you're struggling, if you're vomiting, um, you may need to see a doctor to make sure you don't get dehydrated or lose too much weight. You might need some medication too. 
Thank you so much. What do we do if uh, the weight keeps on going up? And when should we lose that weight? Like the sooner the better? Or should we wait after pregnancy? So I encourage all my moms, even if you have a C-section, some walking is good for you. It keeps the blood moving. It helps fight blood clots. It helps prevent postpartum depression. It helps make better quality breast milk when you exercise after wow. having a baby. And so I encourage my moms, even when they have a C-section, to still do some gentle walking half an hour a day. You can do it as soon as you have the baby. And of course, listen to your body, rest if you're tired, don't push yourself too much. But that exercise is really, really good combined with a whole food plant-based diet can really help you. And the other thing that helps a lot with losing the weight you gained in the pregnancy, which is recommended to lose the weight you gained, is breastfeeding. And that can really help the weight to come off. Oh, wow. That's very, very interesting. And so how, how much exercise would you recommend for a pregnant woman? So half an hour a day of brisk walking, it's okay to do an hour. If you were running or doing something more vigorous before you got pregnant, it's okay to continue doing that. Usually walking is what I recommend people doing if they haven't been active before pregnancy. That's very interesting. And um, what would you say is a healthy weight for a newborn child? And does a weight of a mother affect the weight of the baby? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I see a lot is diabetes can really make the baby bigger than it should be. And often the weight is distributed in the shoulders, which can make the shoulders at risk for getting stuck when the baby's born. Um, so that's, again, going back to the foods of the mother the legumes, the exercise, controlling the diabetes can help the baby to be that healthy weight. There's not an exact number. Sometimes, usually around 7 to 8 pounds is a pretty typical weight. Um, but if you're going to your prenatal visit and the baby's bigger than it seems like it should be, it may need an ultrasound to check. Mm -hmm. um, what would you recommend for a mother to do just before she delivers a baby? Does she need to change something extra or if she needs to start it from like from the very beginning, like her food-wise, exercise, anything to prepare her for having like an easier delivery, if that's a thing? If you are not diabetic or gestational diabetic and you've been to the doctor and they've said that you're not, you can sometimes eat dates. I think it's around six dates a day can increase your chance of going into spontaneous labor. So I do recommend that for people that know for sure they're not diabetic. I would not do that if you're diabetic or haven't been to the OBGYN because you don't want to make the baby grow bigger from any potential sugar. Um, but that can help you go into spontaneous labor. Having your OBGYN strip your membranes can sometimes help. Otherwise, I would say just keep up with as much as you can with the exercise, with the healthy food. And keep taking your prenatal vitamin even later in the pregnancy. How, how important are the prenatal vitamins? Do we have to take them? Do we have to take folic acid? It's very important. It was uh, recently I was talking with a mother who knew someone that had a baby with anencephaly. And that's where the baby's born without a brain. And that is not compatible with life. It's very heartbreaking. Um, and... Folic acid is important even before you get pregnant to help that baby's neurological development so it prevents those kind of conditions. And do we get it from uh, tablets? Can we get it from the food? I recommend getting a prenatal vitamin in addition to what you get in your diet. You can get it at the pharmacy, over the counter, even before you see an OBGYN. Okay. Thank you, Debbie. More questions are coming your way. 
And that's the music again, so we're gonna go ahead and go to break. Don't go anywhere, we're only halfway through、um, today's show. Again, if you have a question, go ahead and give us a call at 671 472 That's 671 472 In the CNMI, if you're calling from Saipan, Tinian, or Rhoda, call us at 670 323 That's 670 323 1113. Send us a message via text, via WhatsApp, via Signal at 671 686 That's 671 It's free from the CNMI. We're also on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash joyfmradio and you'll see us there if you want to、um, watch the live stream. Again, don't go anywhere. We're only halfway through the show and we'll be right back after this break. Generous investment. Very excited. What are you saying? G I V E. There are four letters in the word give. People who give are generously investing and they're very excited. About what? <gasps> This station. Oh. <laughs> Your support is generous. It's an investment and it makes us very excited because we know when we have support, we can share God's love. That happens every time you G I V E. Joy FM. Welcome back. You're listening to Total Health on Joy FM. Call in with your health related questions to 472 1111 in Guam. If you live in the CNMI, we want to hear from you too. Call 323 1113 or text or WhatsApp us at 686 9999. And now, here's more Total Health. Hi, and welcome back to Total Health. My name is Rose Trina. Uh, and in the studio today, if you're just tuning in, we have Elena Tanova, nurse practitioner, and Dr. Deborah Suina, OBGYN. Before we went to the break, we were actually talking about prenatal vitamins and how important it is to take them.、Um, during the last segment of our program, we also had a caller call in with questions. Yes,、uh, we did hear the whole question. Thank you so much for,、uh, you know,、uh, Calling at the right place and the right time, and we understand your pain.、Um, we have many women that struggle with vaginal bleeding, and I'm so, kind of a very、um, pleased that we can talk about that because、uh, there many women struggle with vaginal bleeding during pregnancy, many struggle after pregnancy, especially after menopause. And、uh, many times, you know, they lose a lot of blood, they need blood transfusions, they need iron infusions, and they feel really desperate, like as if like, there is no、uh, like, way out of it. So I know you have seen many of those patients, I have seen many、uh, of them, and do we have anything that we can advise them? Some of them, you know, they have conditions that is like highly su- suspect of endometrial cancer. And what can we do in order to help those women and prevent them to get to that stage? That's a great question. So, I want to go over a few things. Postmenopausal bleeding is when you've gone through menopause. Menopause is when you go for 12 months and do not have a period. And leading up to menopause, your periods are supposed to get lighter, not heavier, because menopause is when they go away. 
So just important to know kind of those definitions and what's normal and what's not. So if you're not experiencing that, you know to seek a doctor, even if it's a primary care doctor, to check out your symptoms. Now, if you've gone through menopause and you have bleeding, any bleeding, whether it's spotting, whether it's just one time, it's really important to see the doctor. And often they'll do an ultrasound and a biopsy. And the biopsy is to make sure that there's not a cancer. If there is an endometrial cancer that's seen on a biopsy or a DNC, which is the surgery that checks out the lining of the uterus, endometrial cancer is something that if it's caught early is very treatable. The best treatment for someone that's postmenopausal that has postmenopausal bleeding and is suspicious for endometrial cancer is to get a hysterectomy. And it's something that I would recommend if you're not able, to, some OBGYNs on Guam are able to do that. It also can be very challenging to get into an OBGYN if you're not able to see someone in a prompt time period. With cancer, you want to get the surgery as soon as possible to remove the cancer before it spreads, God willing, and to catch it as early as possible. And so if you're not able to get someone on Guam to do the hysterectomy, I would encourage you to try to get to Philippines, to try to get to Hawaii, California, somewhere where you can get that hysterectomy as soon as possible. Uh, Marina IUD can help in the interim, but it's usually something we recommend only if someone hasn't gone through menopause and might want to have children in the future and it's a really early endometrial cancer. Someone that's postmenopausal, I would really encourage to try to get off island as soon as possible. And I know it's not easy because it's so expensive. I want to share a resource. And if, you're, if your primary care doctor isn't maybe available or um, isn't, um, if you're not able to get in with the OBGYN as quickly as you need to here in Guam, talk to your primary care doctor, see if they can give you a referral off island to see an OBGYN as soon as possible. And make sure that they have the records from where you had gotten the biopsy or whatever might be the case to show if you do have endometrial cancer to try to expedite that process. Um, usually it's a process where they would remove the, the uterus, the cervix, the fallopian tubes and ovaries um, typically and, and sometimes they might need to do some lymph nodes. And off island, at least in Hawaii, in California, and sometimes in Philippines, they can do it through very small incisions where the recovery is fairly quick. Laparoscopic. That's right, laparoscopic surgery. If they catch it early enough, you might not even have to have chemotherapy or radiation. And chemotherapy and radiation, at least some types of radiation, are available here in Guam. If you're struggling to get off island and you find yourself in this circumstance, as many people do, there is a group that's called Ayuda Foundation, A-Y-U-D-A foundation.org and they do have some assistance available when you have cancer and you need an airfare off island to be able to help you with those expenses. I know some patients also um, do a GoFundMe or something else to help with those expenses and getting off island as soon as possible. Debbie, I also know that many patients feel like resistant to have the uterus taken away because we know that you can have all those experiences when you have those hot flashes for many years. So I can understand the resistance there, but is it like justifiable and uh, does the risk really um, outweighs the benefit of doing hysterectomy? 
The best way to get rid of the cancer and prevent it from spreading and see how far it has spread is to take the uterus out. And the reason they take the tubes out is because sometimes the cancer can spread to the tubes or to the cervix, and it doesn't really have a function, essentially, once you're done with childbearing. Um, the tumor can sometimes spread to the ovaries, which is why they take them out also. There is medication if you do struggle with hot flashes or something like that after you do have the ovaries taken out. Um, but the risk of keeping it is so much more than the benefit of getting out. And like I mentioned before, I would just encourage as soon as possible to get off island and have that surgery. Most of the patients I've talked with, they feel just the same after they've had the surgery, after the uterus is taken out as before. And in someone postmenopausal, the the uterus is often is very, very small. Um, the size of a golf ball or a tennis ball would be kind of the largest um, it's not that big, and so you really feel about the same after you recover. Sex life is about the same, um, but it's really important to get that to to help you live long. And is there any way that you can somehow suppress those, uh, you know, postmenopausal uh, symptoms, uh, maybe with a good food or exercise or is that something that can be done? It's a great question. So once you actually have postmenopausal bleeding, I'd encourage you to check it out and make sure it's not cancer. If it is cancer, make sure to get your uterus out as soon as possible. It's not so reversible at that point. Of course, healthy diet exercise in the process of going through surgery, it helps you recover so much better. If you have diabetes, it helps your your recovery. If you don't have diabetes, it helps your recovery. So I do encourage it in that situation. As far as preventing cancer in the first place, preventing abnormal bleeding, yes, a healthy diet, a healthy weight in particular really can reduce the risk of having to have that problem. Um, but some people do still get it, even if you do all the right things. Yeah, we do have many patients with bleeding and, um, you know, sometimes they're really desperate. Like, what can we do? What can we do? Um, I'm not sure that they are really aware that um, there are ways you can really talk to your provider. Uh, we do have uh, OBGYN um, nurse uh, practitioners and we also have um, uh, certified nurse midwife right? Yes. Uh, in SDA clinic. We also can insert uh, intrauterine devices that can stop the bleeding until we figure out what it is happening with you. You don't have to be out there by yourself and struggling alone. You know, that's why we're here. That's why we live in Guam in order to help our patients and please seek help. Don't stay there by yourself trying to figure out how, you know, you can manage it. Absolutely. It's a difficult one sometimes for us as medical providers to deal with, much more for, for you to deal with it yourself. Absolutely. And along the line of trying to prevent endometrial cancer, um, something to keep an eye out for is even in younger women, even women in their 20s and 30s and 40s, is making sure to have regular periods. If you go more than three months without having a period, you're definitely putting yourself at risk for the lining to grow thick enough that it can turn into cancer. And so making sure if you don't have regular period that you get on birth control or some medication that helps you to have regular periods or at least medication that helps keep the lining of the uterus thin to prevent endometrial cancer, lots of whole food, plant-based diet to help you have a healthy weight really makes a big difference. You know, uh, 
I haven't planned to ask you about that, but it comes to my mind, and I'm sure that many uh, women will benefit with endometriosis. Many women struggle also with uh, inflammatory pelvic disease. And uh, is there anything that they can do on their part? We know once they're diagnosed, like management is difficult and they have periodically pain, but is there something that they can do on their side not to experience the severity of the conditions? Sure, sure. Those are great questions. Exercise is known to help some with endometriosis. As far as pelvic inflammatory disease, it is a little bit easier to prevent it than to manage it once you actually have it. For the most part, PID or pelvic inflammatory disease is caused by sexually transmitted diseases like chlamydia, which is very, very common in Guam gonorrhea, other sexually transmitted infections like that. So the best way to prevent that is to have one partner. You know, I really do recommend waiting for marriage and having one partner for life. And if you choose not to do that, then definitely using consistent condoms, I would definitely recommend. Yeah, you mentioned a very important part, and let's talk about let's talk about sexually transmitted diseases because they are common, and uh, you know the treatment is very easy. We can treat them, but of course we don't encourage you know <laughs> to to get contaminated like a month after month. Uh, you need to check yourself very seriously, even if you have a little suspicion. You have to do that. Uh, and in males, you the, many males don't even feel any symptoms from that, but it is very important. As you said, if you stick with one partner, you should not experience that. But if you are in doubt, please come and visit your provider. So are there any consequences if uh, someone keeps on getting sexually transmitted diseases like gonorrhea and chlamydia, uh, let's say um, for the ba future baby or even for their, um, you know, uh, post uh, menopause period? Yes, so that's a great question. So often if you do have multiple sexually transmitted infections like chlamydia, you do get pelvic inflammatory disease, which is where there's inflammation, especially in the tubes. It can increase your risk of infertility, which is difficulty getting pregnant, or uh, ectopic pregnancy, which is a pregnancy in the tube, which can be life-threatening um, if it it's not able to get to the uterus and then it starts to bleed. It can be a medical emergency, a surgical emergency. So again, you know, I recommend sticking with one partner, but if you don't, use consistent condoms and definitely get checked if you have any symptoms. I would also like to touch on HPV vaccination. I do really recommend that, especially um in the younger population, as you're becoming a preteen, it's really important for children to get vaccinated for that because that is the sexually transmitted virus that does cause cervical cancer. And the amount of cervical cancer and pre-cervical cancer in Guam is astronomically high compared to the rest of the United States. And for a lot of that is that the HPV vaccination hasn't been as widely accepted here, uh, partially for a number of different reasons. But yeah, I would really encourage in the uh, preteen age range and even for those that may be older to ask your doctor if you would qualify for getting HPV vaccination right, because that can prevent cervical cancer. Right. In the past, we thought that only teens can get it, but nowadays the, the age has been increased. Even if you're 35 years old, you can still request to have it. All the way up to 45. Right. Insurance may or may not cover it here. 
but it is um, recommended up to that age range. You know, I always say, if you live on an island where there, there are not many cardiologists, what do you do? You take care of your heart. If you live on an island and there are not many nephrologists, you really take care of your kidneys. Please take care of your organ, of, of your organs, of um, your uterus. Um, you know, if you're a male, take care of yourself because we are facing a shortage of OBGYN providers in Guam. And that's the music. So we're going to go ahead and go to the last break of the day. Um, if you have a question, we've only got about 15 minutes left of today's show. So hurry and call it in. If you're on Guam, you can call us at 671-472-1111. That's 671-472-1111. In the CNMI, in Saipan, Tinian, or Rhoda. In Saipan, Tinian, or Rhoda, call us at 670-323-1113. That's 670-323-1113. Send us a message via text, via WhatsApp, via Signal at 671-686-9999. It's free from the CNMI. And we're also on Facebook. So if you want to uh, check us out on Facebook, just go to facebook.com slash joyfmradio. It'll take you right to our page and you can look for our video there. We're streaming live right now. Don't go anywhere. This is our last break of the day in Total Health Live. We'll be right back after the break. Peter was a fisherman and a failed follower of Jesus. The harder he tried, the worse things got. Jesus took the things important to Peter to teach a lesson that made sense to a fisherman. In this case, there was a tax to be paid and Peter had no cash. Jesus wanted Peter to know that he could handle what Peter could not. Jesus told this disciple to go fishing. He was to look inside the mouth of the fish he caught. There would be the exact amount needed to pay the tax. Who could have known the right place to fish where a single fish could be pulled from the waters that held the exact amount needed to pay a tax Peter didn't have the money to pay? Jesus supplied when Peter had no resources. He could be trusted when Peter was afraid. Maybe you identify with someone like Peter. You might just need reminders that God never intended to leave you to live life alone. There are things only Jesus can do. Let him. Joy FM. And we're back with more Total Health. Give us a call with your medical questions. Number to call in Guam is 472-1111. If you're in the scene of mind, the number to call is 323-1113. Or you can text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. Now back to the program. Hi, and welcome back to Total Health Live. We've only got like maybe 12 minutes left, so we're going to go ahead and jump right back in. Right. Debbie, I would like to ask you, what resources do we have on the island that can prepare us for pregnancy, for delivery, and to take care of the little ones? Um, Would you recommend some books or are there any classes, anything that's provided in the community? Great question. So I would encourage you to check out Wetsagua Managua. Um, the Marianas Physician Group has as far as classes. They have a number of different classes for breastfeeding, for new dads, for preparing for childbirth. And it's open even if you're not a patient at Sagua Managua uh, practice, you can still join those classes for a fee. 
Um, are there any classes that they can, you know, explain what the consequences are of like of taking marijuana, vaping, for example, continue with bitter nut, or we don't like to talk about that? Good question. I don't know that there's any of those specifically in Guam. I do think that there are resources for stopping smoking. I believe it's 1-800-QUIT-NOW is a stop smoking quit line um, that you can call if you're wanting to stop tobacco. Uh, it's a similar process for addictive substances. Usually what I encourage people is try to figure out what triggers you to want to chew or smoke or vape. And if you think about what is your trigger, for a lot of people it's stress, finding an alternative to replace that, a healthy stress coping mechanism, so that when you feel like doing that, you do the healthy behavior instead. I think that combined with the love of knowing that you're pregnant or trying for pregnancy and that you're doing it for the best of your baby is really a powerful motivator. The other thing I do recommend is if you if you smoke and you have a pack of cigarettes and the, wherever you have that pack, say in your pocket, instead of having the pack, get rid of all your smoking paraphernalia, your cigarettes, your ashtrays, everything, and in the place where you would put that, Put some Bible promises that when you feel stressed and want to go and reach for your cigarette, instead you pull out a Bible promise and it can encourage you in a time of change. Wow, that's very interesting that you mentioned that. Thank you so much for mentioning, giving us all this information about how babies can be physically healthy and how mothers actually have something to do with that. Mm -hmm. Also, their mental health, their emotional health. But what about spiritual health? Mm -hmm. Does really pregnancy and the way you um, relate to God affects the baby in your womb? Absolutely, absolutely. So the parents' spiritual life is very important in helping the um, the child as it develops to also be able to experience a deeper relationship with God. And so I encourage parents to spend that quality time with God each day. Start spending some time in prayer and reading scripture in the Bible. And that can help you behold God's love to be that motivating power to make change because his love is the ultimate love, the unconditional love that can empower us to do what's Right, And really, the f one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And so as we allow Christ to abide in us, it's through the Him that we're able to have those fruits in our lives. That is so beautiful. God really wants the best for the children, right? The best for us. Even Jeremiah it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knows our personality even before that because it, everything is so interrelated. And for it was you who created my inward part, says David in the Psalms. You need me together in my mother's womb. God really wants the best for our health, but he's also leaving some choices to us, right? He does. He does not force us how to live, but he has given us uh, the right diet. He has given us the right advices, how we can take care of our children. He does not force us. Of course, we decide. Um, another verse that I really like in Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. 
Is it amazing? You can testify every time when you see a baby coming out um, and it's, you know, makes the first cry. How amazing and marvelous is that? I don't think there is a more exciting moment than hearing a new baby crying out. It really truly is a miracle. And like the verses you mentioned, I really love. I also really like Jeremiah 1, 4 to 5. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nation. So God has a purpose for us, even from the moment that we were conceived and for our offspring, he also does. And that means that he, he loves us and he knows us and he wants to be our personal God and friend, both for each one of us and for our children. I can imagine what a joy is even in heaven when every child is being born. I personally, every time I witness uh, delivery in the hospital, I cry. It is just so amazing. It touches you entirely. And we certainly want that to be the most exciting experience for all the mothers. Um, we know the cases that it might not turn out to be this way. And that's why we're so serious today in our talk, because we want mothers to thrive. We want ba babies to be healthy and to enjoy a, like a very good productive life, uh, life that it is like they can live it to their utmost and not being, you know, uh, in some way being diminished by some choices or consequences of a poor choices, right? Absolutely. Yes, thank you, Debbie. Uh, we have uh, six more minutes, and I would like you to just tell us, talk to the mothers, give some advices. Um, this is your time that we can really talk uh, year to year sure. <laughs> with the mothers, and we would really like uh, them to stay healthy for as long as possible and like in their best form ever. Uh, Debbie, what would you say like in few sentences, how can we help first the mothers and the babies? Absolutely. So I would encourage you to check out a website called lifeandhealth.org. That's lifeandhealth.org. They have many plant-based recipes that you can start with in learning how to make food taste good this way. And then also start with something small, but make it consistent in your lifestyle before you get pregnant, ideally. As much as your changes as you're able to make when you are pregnant is important. And then think about what you'd like to focus on, what kind of area you'd like to grow on, whether it's diet, exercise, stress management, something else. Think about it more specifically, what you'd like to do, how often you want to do it as a really specific goal, how long each time you do it, if you're going to do it for a week or two to start with and see how long you can do that. And then what might be the barriers? for you, say, to exercise, and then what might be solutions to work around that. And then see if you can have a Bible promise to claim and an accountability partner, maybe your spouse, maybe a good friend, someone that can hold you accountable for making the change you need to make. And also, would you advise that it is very important getting into pregnancy to really work on your mental health and mm -hmm. emotional health? Some of us, we carry an emotional burden since our, you know, young years, and we haven't resolved it when we get into pregnancy and bring children to this earth. It is very important to resolve those issues before you become pregnant, but even after. But it is important to work on that yes. and, as well, your spiritual needs, right? Yes, absolutely. Stress during pregnancy actually can change, um, essentially mutate the baby's DNA. And so it also affects the brain development of the baby. So the more the anxiety the mother has, 
the weaker the connections between the areas of the brain that are responsible for like executive function, which is basically doing what you need to do, and the um, stronger the connections between the emotional parts of the brain and the behavioral. So basically, if you're more anxious as a mother, your offspring is more likely to just do things based on what they feel like doing rather than what they really need to do. And so I really... Um, I like this quote here that says, She who expects to be a mother should keep her soul in the love of God. Her mind should be at peace. She should rest in the love of God, practicing the words of Christ. She should remember that the mother is a laborer together with God. And that's from the book Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 1. And I like that because it talks about resting in the love of God. I think that's really the solution to making any of the changes we talked about today for your physical, for your emotional, for your spiritual health. They really are so combined with each other. And that's where we get the power to eat our vegetables, to uh, the peace we get to manage our stress and the, and the love that we get to do what's right, even when we might feel like doing something different. Yeah, sometimes, you know, uh, a baby ca can come in uh, not ideal conditions. You can be a single mom. You can be left uh, when you, you know, the partner had to know that you're pregnant. And even if you're going through the hardest mm -hmm. time, please don't stay alone. Reach out for help. There, There is help available. We do have counselors as well in our clinic. And we're happy to help you. You should never walk alone. Absolutely. You know, this path. Uh, Debbie, I have heard that uh, classical music is very important during pregnancies for the development of the, you know, um, all the sensory organs. Uh, but is prayer um, important uh, during pregnancy? Have you come across to any studies like that? So it's a difficult thing to study, but it, when I do some research, even in looking through the Bible, it does talk specifically about how the mother being filled with the Holy Spirit does prepare the baby to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from the womb. And so I think that's a really interesting concept, the idea that the mother's spiritual life and relationship with God can help the child have a deeper relationship with God when it's born. And so that's why I also, another reason I encourage mothers to really um, develop a relationship with Jesus because it really can bring spiritual benefits as well as physical, emotional to the baby. And I believe the father also has a part here. Absolutely. Yeah, to Absolutely. support the mother and Supporting the, the mother, we know also that when fathers are more supportive of the mothers, especially mothers that go through difficult times like stillbirth, they're less likely to have postpartum depression, anxiety if they have a supportive father in their life. And I think that plays over for many other situations, just how important the role of the father is too. Yeah, that's why God created the whole family, right? Yes. Thank you so much, Debbie. It was an honor and privilege to have you here today. Uh, if you do have questions and you didn't feel like asking us, uh, feel free to email them to us, um, send them to Joy FM, and we'll be very happy to answer them. Thank you. And thank you as well to all our listeners. Uh, thank you for calling in. Thank you for supporting us. Total Health Live is on every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. So we'll be on again next week. We'll see you again next week. Be sure to check with your doctors before making any sudden life changes discussed today. Total Health is brought to you in partnership with Guam Seven-Day Adventist Clinic, where health is their mission. We look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. Thank you and Sijuas Maasi for listening to Total Health right here on Joy FM.